0: Okay, I'm afraid my title might uh, need some explanation. I'm going to worry about that as I go through it. Maybe it'll at least help you stay with me. See if I'm uh, wonder what I'm saying. Uh, before I get started on that, though, how many of you collect something? I'm not really asking. Do you collect anything? Uh, some people think they do. Others not quite sure. Okay. Uh, By the end of the message, if I remember, I'm going to ask you again whether you collect anything and I'd like to see if uh, you're a little more certain or not by then. That's fine. Let me make sure I have that there. Yeah, We're good? Okay. So, I'm going to just write my title up here, I guess, to see if somehow writing helps me sometimes. So, I'm going to talk about the art. of uh, accumulation. Uh, I think you probably get most of the words in that title, Uh, what you may not get is why they're stuck together that way, so I'm going to let you think about that for a bit. Would anybody like to tell me what you think of when you think of art? Okay, something you like to look at. So you're thinking of a painting or something like that. In that case, okay. Any more? Something valuable. A display of skill. A display of skill. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, expression, creativity. Y'all did a great job. Thanks. So to sort of pull that together, I'm just going to call art in this sense the conscious use deliberate, we decide to do this, the conscious use of skill, creative imagination, and experience. Uh, I actually enjoy like painting some of them. Now are you all familiar with what modern art looks like? Uh, Some of you are. Um, Maybe modern art is a display of skill, but I, at least in some of them, fail to see the skill. Um, And in a way, maybe modern art is a good illustration of what I'd like to talk about in that you look um, you look at a, a painting done by Redland or Kincaid or one of those, uh, I can see where it took some skill. Uh, you could give me the exact same materials and you'd end up with something radically different looking. Mine would look a little more like modern art. Uh, I could probably do that, at least I, I think I, it looks like I could. I um, haven't tried it. So. And if there's a modern artist here, excuse my negativity, you're probably being offended with me by now. But uh, if you've seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. So conscious, I want to talk about the conscious use of skill, creative imagination and experience. Here. You're consciously putting effort to really make something here. You're not just dab, slap, dabbing around. So I when want to talk about the art of accumulation. Now you all know what accumulation is, right? Do any of you not accumulate things? Of some sort or the other. Uh, It's sort of hard not to. In fact, I've noticed something odd in the weird culture we live in, uh, what we call the American culture. It seems even the very poorest of people accumulate hideous amounts of things. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. I mean, just get in the garage door business if you wonder if people accumulate stuff. Some of them are so good at it that we about can't fix their doors. Um, some of the rest of them are so good at it that they keep how many people busy at Bald Eagle Barnes? Uh And we could keep going. It's accumulation is, I guess we could say it's a problem our culture has. And unfortunately it doesn't stop there. I, um, well let's just say it this way, yesterday in trying to be a good dad and uncle and whatever else and plus I enjoyed it. Um, I decided to take, we decided to give some of the children boat rides, so I thought well, as many people as we want to take, uh, I'd better get rid of some, might as well unload fishing stuff off my boat. Uh, Now I don't know if any of you would have any idea about this, but getting all the fishing stuff off my boat is quite a chore, I discovered. Uh, I think if you'd ask Kevin, he'd tell you I was about 20 minutes late from what I had told him I'd be ready. Uh, So somehow in unloading my boat, I started thinking about accumulation for some odd reason and um, some of that stuff I'm fairly proud of if you want to say it some of the rest of it not so much you know I thought in thinking about accumulation and what the problem I had yesterday I'm guessing there's some people here that I could give you $500 drop you off at Bass Pro for the day and you'd come out with $500 in a wasted day is that right Uh, There's probably some of the rest of us that would come out with a little different result, perhaps. Um, I once knew a man that loved to go to auctions. And some of you here may remember at least parts of this. I was sort of reminded we were looking at an old, at probably the oldest gun I have. It's an old, sort of dilapidated, ugly .22 that I actually got out of this, this story. Uh, he loved to go to auctions and the way I actually became acquainted with his hobby, I guess, was someone else had bought his place. He was probably, I was going to say hes busy in his 70s back when this happened, when he sold his place. And uh, he had a nice farm, a couple hundred acres. Um, but the house and the barns, as I recall, I should have asked someone, I'm thinking he had at least six, six sheds, shops, barns, whatever, around, uh, gathered around the house, but from the house porch to the furthest back in the barn, these things were just filled up with stuff. He loved to go to auctions, and I'm pretty sure he never paid more than $5 for anything at an auction, I'm not sure on that, but it probably wasn't much more, but he had got literally, uh, sometimes some people in our house exaggerate, but I can safely tell you I'm not exaggerating one bit when I tell you he had tons of stuff tons of stuff and a lot of it was just like bolts and washers and nails and some of them were even bent and it... yeah there was some interesting stuff in the mix but by large it was junk um I did find a 22 the fellow that was buying the place was sort of excited when I showed it to him he tried to shoot it and it didn't work so he gave it to me uh, I put an 11 piece in and it's worked ever since I sort of always felt proud about that it's one of my best deals uh, but you know so some of that but had a bit of use but by large it was junk and his life i think i can safely say his life was encumbered with it he sort of had a screened in porch back at the enclosed porch where you'd walk in there was a path through on his front porch just barrels of stuff all around the shops just full with little owls in fact and uh knowing what i do now i sometimes almost wonder he didn't get killed by his stuff you know if you read these stories of people getting buried well by a newspaper, storing newspapers. I don't know how newspapers kill people, but I can easily see how a couple of barrels of nails stacked around could. Uh, these things were heavy. You know, so for some people like this Mr. Love to attend auctions, the things they accumulate in their life is simply the outcome of the thing, thing or things they enjoy doing. There's no planning or intent in what they do. I was actually had another customer over at Greer's Furry recently, very similar. He wanted to show me something in his one shop there, and we about couldn't get to it. And there's no organization. Uh, If they want to go to an auction, that's all good and fine, but if you know, you might as well get some use out of this stuff. They just set it around, Uh, there's no intent. It's I go one day, oh, this is cheap. So I buy it, I set it in here, I do the next thing next week or next month, and finally end up with this mess that takes, in the case of the first fellow I was talking about, it took a number of men and boys literally months to clean that whole mess up. And I'd be interested in knowing how many tons of metal trash they hauled off that place. Those people are not artists, unless perhaps they're modern artists. Um, They're simply collectors of junk and worse than junk. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read in Matthew 12 and 13 today, and I'm going to keep it to that. So Matthew 12, verse 33 is the first one. I find it interesting how much the Bible talks about trees. Maybe that's why I, some people think I like trees too well. I don't know. It makes a good excuse. But uh, I do like trees, and so it, maybe it helps me remember some of this. Matthew 12, verse 33 to 35. Follow with me. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For a tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth evil things. You know, you don't have to be real brilliant to say what kind of tree it is when you see the fruit, do you? If you walk through just the woods around here, there's some people like Laban does pretty good. I think George could do well. They can tell you, oh, that's a this tree, that kind of tree based on the bark and whatever. Uh, some of us can do some, there's some others that can't do any. But you put acorns on a tree, most of us would say an oak, right? You see Osage oranges on a tree, you would say that's an Osage orange. Uh, and we could keep going. If there's fruit on it, it's pretty easy. It's when there's no fruit that we sort of get, well, what is this? You know, it's the same way with people, isn't it? Whether I sit in a Mennonite church Sunday morning or whether I'm out fishing on the lake, maybe you call that fruit on Sunday morning, we could do a lot of the same of the things throughout the rest of the week. And I would like to suggest even we can even sit in church Sunday morning with a wrong heart, can't we? And that fruit may not be so evident. Maybe there's subtle indications of what I really am based on the bark and the leaves. But maybe the, just the average person won't really know what I am. So I'd like to ask a question there on verse 35. How can we have a good heart with good treasure? He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. I would say there's very few people, if you'd stop and ask them, would you like to have a good heart? They would say, no. You know, even the people that might admit they have a bad heart don't really care for it. They may not be willing to put the effort into changing it. So how can I have a good heart? Or let's suppose I fall into the category of having an evil heart. How do I go about going from an evil heart to a good heart so that I can bring out forth these good things? I'd like for you to note the verses I read first. Verse 33 either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for a tree is known by his fruit yes we need to come to God absolutely we need to confess our sins we need to acknowledge our failures we need to ask God for his help to change but we don't dare stop with that we can't just mystically do these things and expect something to happen without effort on our part Notice how he says, this is Christ speaking, either make the tree good or his fruit good. If you want a good heart, friends, you're going to have to put some effort into that good. It's not something that's going to happen. And while all those things of confession and repentance are necessary, I think sometimes in our churches we end up with people that somehow think if they confess, if they repent properly, somehow that takes the battle out of the Christian life. False. It puts the battle into the Christian life, if you will. There's nothing harder, and you've heard me say this before, but there's nothing harder than being a Christian, a real Christian. Living out the Christian life in day to day is the hardest thing you can choose to do, and yet with that, I would tell you it's also the best. With God's help, with love as your motivation, make the tree good. I feel, how shall I say this? I wonder sometimes if we haven't almost lost our way as conservative Anabaptist people. In that I think far too often in our teaching, in our expectations, we train and sort of expect people not to do things without replacing them with good things to do. For example, we talk about non-resistance. When really it's about love, friends. My last message, I think, was all about love. That's what non-resistance is. If I'm simply here trying not to resist, and I don't have God's love in my heart, I'm a joke. We talk about non-conformity. Well, again, I can put clothes on that set me apart, but unless my heart is different from the world around me, I'm a joke. It's about being, not about not being. And as I told you, I think it was a couple years ago, and and that was maybe my personal testimony, I spent years of my life trying not to do some things, and you want to guess how successful I was in it? Not very good. In fact, the very process of not trying to do something brings it into your mind, puts it in there, and you end up focusing on the very thing that you don't want to focus. Go read Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. Okay, switching this a little bit, I have an uncle who's a John Deere tractor enthusiast. He's getting pretty old, but definitely was. He had a large shop building. It's probably bigger than the current warehouse we use. I would say it's some, has two lean-to's on it, so it's a fair size. And he has that thing basically packed full of John Deere tractors and uh, parts, I don't know, the last time I asked him if my memory serves me correctly, he told me he had 12 complete tractors, operational, and uh, probably about half that many in various stages of repair or, yeah, not all running. You know, if you wanted to visit my Uncle Ray without needing to say a lot, you would simply go ask him about a John Deere B or D or something like that, and away he would go. My uncle's a nice man. I'm not trying to run him down. But he could go almost endlessly about the many tractors he had. They were, by the way, they were all those uh, probably more commonly known as putt-putt tractors, you know. Uh, And uh, so he, yeah, he was big into tractor pools and that kind of thing. You know, his knowledge and accumulation of John Deere tractors didn't happen in a day. It was something he cultivated and worked on most of his life like thinking of another man that collects things. I forget. Marvin, was that you or Vernon? I think you had, I had run into him years ago, but there's a man in M. Bowden that collects those matchbox cars, I call them. Was that you? Do you remember the number there? Uh, that's fine. Uh, I hope I'm right. As I recall, I had been there, oh, way, way back, and more recently when Marvin had been there. Um, this customer, I'm thinking he told me he has over 20,000 matchbox Cars in his house, uh, on shelves and stuff. They're just there's there a lot of them. I mean, seriously, a lot. I'm not going to say my number's quite right. And I don't know. I I can enjoy maybe five or six of those things in the toy box or on a shelf somewhere, just to sort of look at. But when you get into the thousands of them, my interest just sort of it's. It, Uh, And I I probably should have spent more time talking to that man. But you know, these men, whether it's my uncle, whether it's this fellow with his Matchbox car collection, they know a lot about it. They sort of invested their life in this thing. And if you want to just bear with me, there's a certain artistry to this, isn't it? They know what they have. It's not just piles of junk here and there. I mean, in fact, I think as I recall that man on the Matchbox cars, he even knew how many of them he had that were individually different from the others as I recall it's not that he didn't have some repeats but he would have he could have told you pretty close how many of them were repeat cars compared to another one and so they have an intimate knowledge of what they do and they organize these things they set them up my uncle he painted these things and jazzed them up and took them to the parade and you know he made this it was really something he invested in it was his life Uh, back to my uncle, he knew the history and the specifications on each model. I mean he could tell you exactly when that thing came out of the plant in 1940 whatever, uh, how much horsepower it had and how it ran and what, yeah. In thinking about these men and their collections, you know it started small with an interest. For my uncle, an interest in John Deere tractors. For the other man, an interest with matchbox cars. And it progressed to ownership of one, then two, and then three. In the tractors, of 12 to 18. In the cars, to let's say 22,000. Let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 13 now. Matthew 13, verse 31. Christ still speaking here. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in a field, which indeed is the least or the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches thereof. And another parable he spake unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. I'm not real familiar with mustard seeds. I've heard they're very, very small. Minute. I do know that in uh, baking bread, yeast is a very small fraction of what you put in the bread, isn't it? If you were to put anywhere close to as much yeast into your bread as you put flour, you'd have an amazing situation on your hands. It doesn't take much, very small amount. Some of you are looking pretty sleepy. Why don't you stand up for a bit, everyone? I'd like to compare this to things that I tend to accumulate in my life, and we'll make a list here in just a bit. So often I'm tempted to think that something is ever so small, a mustard seed, a little bit of yeast, so insignificant. And yet, friends, so often these things that may seem so small at the time end up so large over time. What I'm interested in, what I put myself into, plays an outsized role in what I have, how I act, and in what I invest. A couple things that come to mind is perhaps clothing issues, or maybe for some of us guys, it's what we put into a vehicle. Maybe it's an interest in sports. You know, we could say those things are all small. And to some degree, that's true. They are small. But as you give yourself to this, as you become taken up with an interest in this thing, its results do not stay small, friends. Not small at all. You may be seated again. There are ever so many things in life of which it may be said What's wrong with it? Oh, there's nothing wicked about that. With truth, and yet realize it may not be the thing itself. But what the thing, what that thing may detract you from, what it keeps you from, what it replaces. How many of you would say it's somewhere between sinful and wrong to message someone on your phone? Anybody say that? Okay, I'm glad to see I was able to predict your correctly. Well, I agree with you. However, if messaging those not with me at the time, excuse me, let me back up. If by messaging those not with me at the time, I neglect those around me, will there be, will there be no negative consequences? We know there will be. I can't neglect you while you're in front of me for the people that aren't there, and then somehow expect good results. Yes, there's sometimes I may be meeting with someone that I get a call from one of the fellows in the field or something that I have to say, hey, give me a minute. That's, I think there's fine. Maybe we should tell them why we're doing it. But really, messaging should be way down the list on my things of importance when I'm sitting and visiting with you, shouldn't it? And let's not fool ourselves. Maybe you say it's just a casual visit. That may be slightly different. At the same time, even at home, in some other kind of gathering, if you're there putting yourself into the phone with someone that's not there and neglecting the people that are there with you, you pay a price for that. Don't fool yourself. That's a very minor illustration, but you do on that. And that goes to many, many other things besides just messaging. You know, as, human, as a human being, my resources are limited. Finite is another word for that. I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough of me and whatever composes me to do everything and be everywhere and get everything done, do I? So it means that I set priorities whether I want to or not. I decide some things are worth My effort, and some things are not worth the effort. Friends, in choosing one thing and in either disregarding or neglecting something else, we are daily making minute choices that leaven us. Right? We're having, we're daily tweaking a little bit who we are and what we think we're here for. Another example of this would be one of Conan Doyle's characters. Sherlock Holmes said this. uh, His friend, Dr. Watson, had just told him that the world was, I think that the world was round or that the earth orbits the sun, one or the other. I don't exactly remember which. And he made the comment, well, and and Watson was just having a fit that Sherlock Holmes didn't know this. And uh, Sherlock Holmes made the comment. He says, well, now that I know it, I'm going to try to forget it. And Watson thought he was crazy. And he says, well, Sherlock said this way. He said, for what I do, for what I have given my life to, this is my own paraphrasing. He says, it makes absolutely no difference whether the earth goes around the sun or the sun around the earth. So I shall seek to forget everything that doesn't apply to what I'm interested in. I'm going to tread a bit careful here. I think I have enough of this tendency that if you feel hurt by what I say next, maybe you can just say Joe was stomping on his own toes. But don't be an expert in everything. You don't have the time, the mental capability. Decide that some things are worth it and some things aren't. You know, some of you may relax and find your rejuvenation by planting flowers and God bless you. Uh, That's great, but don't expect me to do it. I'm going to go fishing. Uh, Some of the rest of you may be like tweaking with electric or putting solar panels on your house. I mean, that's great. God bless you. But don't try to be everything everywhere all the time. It's not worth it. You won't do a good job at anything. Focus on a few things and do them well. Well, that was off the side, but. Our resources are limited. Each day, each moment, we're making choices as to what we keep and what we discard i'd like to think now about some things i'm going to talk in fairly general but what are some things we accumulate Uh, i'm going to make a list of uh, let's call this of space and time what are some things that we tend to accumulate here and now just as human beings what's some things that you or your friends or your family have a lot end up with oh by the way i didn't ever give you the complete definition of accumulation it means to gather in a pile especially little by little is what the uh, miriam said so i sort of like that to accumulate in a pile especially little by little so what do you get little by little that you have a pile of or someone does anything what Oh, go ahead sorry Shoes. shoes okay i didn't even have that one on my list that's odd even though my teenage daughter declares her dad has as many as she does, so I guess she probably knows. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, well let's keep I would like for you to fire some more at me. How about money? At least some people accumulate money. You may not feel like you have a pal, and I usually don't, but there's somebody somewhere that does. Uh, okay, what else? Books. Books. Any more that you want to give me? Coffee cups. Tools. Cubs. Tools. I think I got everybody beat on the coffee cups. Hopefully not the tools. Uh, Anything else? I'm sorry? Hurts. Any others you want to give me? Hobbies. I'm sorry. I missed one, I think over here somewhere? Did somebody say something? Fabric. Fabric. I'm starting to feel better. I don't have a problem with all of these, at least. Uh, good. Uh, I'm also gonna add some others. Those are great, thanks for your help. I'm gonna maybe add some uh, generic ones too. That health. I don't know that you really can accumulate health, but some people try awful hard, so I guess you have to take what I mean there. We had, I'm gonna put possession, some of these shoes, fabrics, oops, and I'm not getting my possession spelled right Guess I'm doing this right, yeah. Prestige, Mennonites don't have a problem with that one, thankfully, but we'll put it up anyways. Uh, Influence. Some people try to grow their influence. Memories, just a couple I had, and you'll see why. Later, maybe. I'm going to put another one down here, friends. I think everybody accumulates some friends, hopefully, right? I'm not really going to say this in a positive or negative light, but there should be some of them. Okay. I might run out of board space, so we have of space and time, so now I'm going to put one, I wasn't quite sure how to call this one, but of negative things. Of negatives, I guess we'll just keep it simple. And here I'm not talking so much bent nails, not working 22s, as things in life that we all probably have a temptation to, and I might have put that hurts in life underneath that one but it was great where it is uh, maybe we'll just put it here as well. So is there anything else in life that we tend to collect that we know are negative but we still sort of hang on to them? Anybody? Fear, fear good. I'm going to put anxieties on there. I've discovered some people like, uh, that don't have fear have anxiety so uh, we'll put that. I'm sorry. Bitterness. Bitterness. Good. That was another one I had. Not that that makes it better, but anything else? Bad habits. Bad habits. More? Perceived offenses. Yeah, uh, you gonna make me spell law. I just gonna put perceived offenses. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I got one here, lust. Maybe that covers uh, using this in a broad sense. Discontentment. I'm not going to write that one up. We had bitterness. How about friends here too? I'm going to put a negative in front of them. And the reason I'm doing the friends is I want to bring something out on that in a bit here. So these are either or. Um, Now of things that we can maybe accumulate and that's not really the right word i get it it's not theologically correct but that have eternal value what are some things we can not necessarily you put them on a shelf and collect them ah here i go again talking and writing don't go good i'm sorry i'm running behind the tree for some of you so what are some things that Like I said, I know we don't necessarily make a pile of them, but we do work on them. And that would have eternal effect on us. Anyone? Obedience. Okay, obedience. What was the other one? Treasures in heaven. heaven. I should take more time and make you all be more specific about some of these, but... What are the treasures in heaven? That would be a subject by itself, so we'll keep going. Anything else? Okay, good. Anything else you want to put on here? Things that have, of eternity. Yeah, that. I basically think of, just to make myself clear, things that you can sort of be doing right now that last for eternity. Does that make more sense? Maybe I don't know if I did a good job explaining that one. Okay. Knowledge of truth. Joy of heart. Joy of heart, is that right? Okay, just to keep me somewhat on track here, I'm going to finish with what I had. Let's see, I had relationships, I had service. And thanks again for your help, I had sharing. And trust. I think I'll skip some of these. Contentment, thankfulness, good memories. Uh, Friends. Uh, let's, Let's just... Positive friends now. Sorry for the scribble, but that'll work for now. Okay. Let's think about some of these things now see here money I could go with shoes be about the same difference uh i mean yeah not in spending capacity but uh are they good or bad Why'd you just tack the claws on the end? <laughs> you guess? No, absolutely depends on what they're used for. Um, you know, money—it's not what you have or don't have. It's but it's how what, how you use what you have or how you feel about what you don't have. And I think that goes true for any physical thing, doesn't it? Whether it's shoes, money, books, coffee cups, tools—I'm not sure. It hurts. I might let for later. Hobbies, fabric even to a degree, our health, or possessions, prestige, uh, all those kinds of things, it's not really, if we really get true on it, it's not what you have or don't have, but it's how you use what you have or how you feel about what you don't have. In um, thinking about some of these, I guess health was one I was going to bring out you know, I think it's great to be a steward, but I think sometimes in our churches, maybe we overdo health. If we really believe that God has numbered our days and given us what we need, are we sometimes a little, be a good steward of your health, absolutely. But when I get, I guess health obsessions make me just a bit queasy. Why is it sometimes that those that have the most to look forward to in eternity are the ones most pursuing things to stay on the earth? It, a little odd, if you ask me, but you think about that. Uh, going down over some of my list, I haven't had time to process all these that you gave. I think some of it would hold true for multiple. You know, prestige. Uh, I sort of sarcastically said we don't have a problem with that in our churches uh, or in our culture. I think we do. We maybe try to be pretty subtle about it, but we all want to be well thought of, right? Um, You know, one thing I'm discovering, I don't really expect a teenager to know this or even believe me at the moment, but one thing I think God's been teaching me is in this thing of prestige, outside of the people that I work and live with closely, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world thinks of me, does it? What difference does it make? I got a week of meetings coming up in Red Bluff, California. You can pray for me. And you know, what those people think of me when I come home really matters... Not at all, does it? I mean, I shouldn't say that. I hope they can be blessed. I hope God can use me. At the end of the day, though, their opinion of me is nothing. Their opinion of God is all. And yet, if I have to come home and live and work with you all, it does matter, some, what people think, but not usually in the way we think. Influence. Another one that probably we all have, whether we like it or not, But how and to what effect do we use the influence we have? Memories. Now that was an interesting one. I'd love to have more on that. But why do you have the memories you do? Why do you remember the activities you do and the ones, forget the ones you don't? Then friends. I said, I hope everybody has some. But why do you have the friends you do? Why do you choose voluntarily to enjoy time with certain people? And other people, um, well, I don't know, how shall I say this? Um, Not trying to talk critically, but as you observe people, sometimes they make an obvious effort not to be around some other people. So what's what's driving that? Okay, now on the negatives list here of negatives. At least we would view Hertz as negative. They actually don't have to be, so maybe I messed up on putting that one there. I should probably put it in both lists. On the rest of these, some of these, uh, fear and anxiety, bitterness, bad habits, perceived offenses, lusts. i just tell you this on the fear and anxiety. I don't know of any positive way to be anxious. Because guess what? Every time I have tried it, and I speak from my own experience here, Every time I have left fear or anxiety take over, I have found that it took me away from something positive. Did you agree with that? I don't think you can let that rule you and still maintain a positive outlook. Uh, tr- don't try it, really, but uh, I guess if you find yourself there, check on it. How's that work? Because uh, I don't want you to go running a guinea pig test on yourself just to do you get yourself in trouble, but I, I think it, there's a problem there. Lusts. Like I said, in a broad sense, what does this do to you? Whatever, regardless of that is. We all have some. What does it take from those who accumulate it? An awful lot. Discontentment. I don't know about you, but some days I just feel like being discontent. Uh, I can sort of fuss with my lot in life, and it just feels good to grumble. Uh, make a fuss, and I'm going to let me a little, little leeway there. That Maybe it's okay, too. Uh, Share your heart with someone and just say how you feel. I'm not trying to just steamroll all that. At the end of the day, though, if I have a real problem with discontentment, does it gain me anything? Actually, it probably loses me a lot. Bitterness. Who do you damage most when you harbor bitterness? And now we have friends down there, and thinking of negative friends, you know, many, many is the person who convinced themselves that friends that were being a negative influence on them really loved them, only to discover, maybe even years later, that it was all about the other person. Remember, if you got friends that are being negative and being a negative influence on your life, it is not about you, period. It's about them and what they can get out of you or from you. Has always been and will always be. And I just wish we could believe it without having to go through some of the experiences I see people going through. Okay, shifting over to the things that, of eternity. And I know we don't really accumulate, like I said, we don't build a pile of treasures in heaven, maybe. Or a pile of obedience. It's not that we can store it up. At the same time, we can put our focus on it. We can gain ground in these areas. Um, take relationships, for instance. Can you all tell me what is the one thing you relate to today that is eternal? Anyone? Other than yourself. Okay, other people, right? And that definitely starts with your children, not to minimize them one bit. But other people, whether you have children or not, on a daily basis you're relating to something and to someone that lasts for eternity. Service. Another one I had, like I said, I'm going to use my list, not because it's better, but because I had some thoughts on it. Of what you have going this week, what has eternal potential? I already told you relating to the people. And how do you affect those people most? By being a servant, right? Whether it's in your job, whether it's just someone you meet randomly, whether it's at home. Be a servant. And, you know, I didn't even put this on my notes, but I was sticking in. I was talking with someone that didn't grow up in the setting a lot of us did. And he told me, he said, it's something a little strange in your circles. It seems like a lot of your people feel like they have to go to the mission field or have to go to a program to be of service. He's like, why don't they serve at home? That's where God put them. And I want to say that carefully. It's not that I am running down other places or programs, but I do think we've got a bit of a problem here, if you want my blunt assessment, is right here, right now, where God puts you, is the very best place for you to serve. Sure, it's more glamorous to jump on an airplane and go scooting across the country or the world and serve in some exciting capacity. But let me tell you, unless you really find the joy in service right here in the things you may consider drudgery right now, God's either going to have to keep knocking you around until you figure it out, or you're going to miss it. Please, friends, let's find the joy of service right here, right now. Next with that is I had sharing. How can you best enjoy what you possess? Maybe you say, well, I haven't accumulated much money, many shoes, a lot of, I don't know, tools. You don't need a lot. Guess what? I don't think I have near as many tools as, at least in some areas, as some people. But, you know, you can bless somebody with that torque wrench that doesn't have one or whatever it is. Use what you have. Share it. That's a little bit of a hard one for me. In some ways, I, and I bless my dad for this, he grew up that he that goes a borrowing goes a soaring. So he didn't like to borrow stuff, and buy, he sort of struggled with loaning it out. And I'm sorry to tell you, I sort of picked up on that too. Uh, sometimes it's a little hard to see my stuff walk out, and if i ain't quite sure how it's going to show back up. And it's been precious because I spent a lot of years thinking about buying this thing. But you know, share it. Maybe there's some times you can go do a job for someone if you are too worried. But actually, if it's God's thing, probably more or less let it go trust another thing i had here on build trust hardest thing to do when needed but what brings more peace than trust i don't say that lightly there's nothing harder than trusting when you don't feel like it contentment what really brings joy and fulfillment thankfulness what makes someone happy or glad having everything they want no it's a thankful heart about what they already have Um, good memories Something that you will cherish long after a time has passed. And friends. Sort of back to the relationships one. What's the greatest investment you can make? It's to be a friend to someone. Let me talk about this friend thing. So I hope all people, Christian and unchristian, I'd say have friends and that's great. Unfortunately, most of this friendship, if Christ isn't part of them, become a negative thing. And so I'm talking to people that probably don't have friends very, very bad friends, they've more or less good friends. Let's do a little test on your friendships here. At the end of the day, after you spent time with whoever you really wanted to spend time with, are you more distracted and obsessed with things that really won't matter in a few years from now, Or are you pointed towards eternity? You say your conversations may not be about bad things or negative things, but do the conversations you have with your friends draw you to the things of time? Are they an encouragement to focus on things that really have no lasting value? And this could be a wide range of... It's not that I'm saying that you don't enjoy a good day out, Whatever you enjoy doing with your friends, by all means. But are you drawn god word or world word as you spend time with that person? I think if we're really honest, sometimes we don't really want to own it. Or another thing I've run into already, maybe I'll use the example of discussing other churches and their issues. I know some people that I would say are sincere Christians. And I love a couple of people that I could put names to and won't. And so don't go looking for them here because I. Where I think they're sincere about serving God. But for whatever reason they have accumulated a vast store of knowledge about other people. Their problems and their church issues. And when those people get together with someone like them. Guess what they do? They talk about those things. And it's not a positive thing for them just stop it it absolutely makes no difference if you really need to talk about it go talk about it to god for me to talk to you about some church issue down the road in an hour or two what's it gain what's it do gonna make us both blue gonna get our focus off god just skip it back to this thing on friends i'm not suggesting that we avoid or cut off less than exceptional people but we had better guard how they affect us and i want to tell you how to guard yourself in friendships is the very best protection from a negative influence is a passion for the truth and the right right you know i i I don't know i shouldn't pick on the girls but i do feel like it that shoes one took me off guard i'm still thinking about shoes and fabric here um So bear with me and my foolishness just a minute. It's great if you have more than plenty of shoes to wear and more than plenty of fabric to sew. God bless you and I, I sure would, don't want my, anybody out of my house going destitute of those necessities. But if on the other hand, you have the friends you do and when you spend time with these friends, you come home and you need to add one or two more pairs of shoes or one or two more pieces of dress fabric to your accumulation because you were with them and this is now the neat thing to have and this is now the thing to go with, guess what? Can you really say that that friend has been a positive effect on your life? And I don't have to center it there. What about us over here? I buy shoes because I need them. I don't know why I ended up with so many. and they're not nothing that you would want to wear to town anyway, girls, so you can come help yourself. I've offered them to my daughter she didn't care for. Uh, but maybe, maybe I do need to watch how many shoes I buy. But what about the things that interest me? I just told you I was cleaning off my boat. And while I think it's, I think fishing can be a fine thing to do to build relationships and all, it definitely can be an obsession, can it? something you can devote too much time too much resources into and it takes you away from maybe things that are important and i i want to grow and if you have help for me come help me uh maybe it's the money we spend on our yeah like i said might be our hobbies for us hunting fishing or maybe it's our work um some of you fellows go ahead preen yourselves you can tell me you don't have hobby you don't waste money like some of us do but i want to tell you i don't think a work obsession is much better it's great to do a good job at your job, by all means do it, but at the end of the day, know how to quit your job and do something else. It don't have to be what I do. But you do have some things, don't, don't overemphasize just work, because we can become a workaholic. Or maybe it's the vehicle we drive and the pride we take, and I was. or maybe it's even our stash of money. You know, I was thinking a little bit about money this week, I don't think there's anything that for us as fellows, maybe and this might sound weird to the ladies, but I don't know if there's anything that we tie into who we are quite as strong as money, maybe for some of us. That when we do good financially, it's almost hard for us to believe that God isn't blessing us. I mean, I'm just sort of being brutal here. Uh, and so we sort of. Yeah, and I mean, we do it in our private closet or somewhere, but we sort of preen them tail feathers and think that, well, you know, we've done pretty good. And God's been looking, yeah, must be doing something right. God's with me here. Hmm. And when it's not so good, then we just feel devastated and like, well, everybody else looks at us as worthless. Friends, if somebody looks at somebody that doesn't do as well financially as them, they've got the problem, not you. I'm not saying we all might have areas we need to work on, but finances does not determine God's measure of love for you one bit. And let's quit fooling ourselves and let's quit acting like it does. You know, if I'm around friends, if I'm around people that make me feel like I'm somebody because I did well financially, I got the wrong kind of friends just as much as the girl that needs another pair of shoes because she was with her friends. Okay, going on. At the end of the day, as you spend time with your friends, are you a better person for being with these people? Not saying that most of your conversations are of deep spiritual nature, but are you drawn, inspired, and encouraged for the eternal? What is it that you have in your life? A random collection of mostly unusable things? Or is it a collection of intent and purpose? Uh, If you still have your Bible's open, the last verses I want to read in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 to 45 now. Keeping this simple, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. These verses have intrigued me for years, and I'm not saying I understand them correctly, but this is the best I've come up with in all my thinking about them. So let's read the verses before I tell you what I think. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, the bad part of him, or yeah, whatever was controlling him, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. I don't know how you explain those verses. And maybe one of you all wants to come. I love to hear your thoughts. But here's what I came up with is far too often we're trying to sweep and garnish our house, basically empty it of, of what we perceive as negative things, failing to realize that it's not a thing of being empty of these things, but a thing of being full of God. Far too often we try to get rid of things without replacing them with something else, something better. And I will tell you, I don't think this works. Too often we're trying not to have or not to be or not to do something with the effect that we become or do the very thing we tried not to do. And I wish so much in our broad, what we refer to as sister churches and so on, that we would quit, to some degree, quit talking about non-resistance and talk about the love of God, how we just... Turn the other cheek because of God's love. We would quit focusing so much on nonconformity because after all, it is being what God wants to be. And I I can pound away on you all day long about nonconformity, but unless you are really conformed to Christ in your heart, we're going nowhere. The problem with the focus on these things is that the focus is still on and we have to put it on something positive. You know, there's even something out there now called the doctrine of non-accumulation. And I'm not trying to run down the person or the people involved in this. But I'll tell you the problem I've seen with that is that there again, the focus has become one of not expressly accumulating money with, it seems, at least in the next generation, a corresponding failure to focus on what life is really about. And so maybe they don't store up a pile, but they just spend it on themselves. And both, it's a fail, friends. It's a fail. We've got to look at what God wants from us. When we try not to our way into heaven, it's an effort into futility. You know, have you made a sad collection of junk or worse than junk? Don't give up. Clean up. <clears throat> I need to be careful here. I hope you can bear with me. But I'm going to say not by just an emptying process, but by a replacing process. Replace a complaining spirit with a praise. Replace lust with caring for others. Replace a money obsession with a kingdom obsession. Replace negative friends with positive friends. And first of all, be one yourself. Replace fear and anxiety with trust, faith, and joy. Replace discontentment with thankfulness. Replace negative memories with good memories. Don't bank on being able to collect junk and then end up with a beautiful collection at the end of life. It's not happening. You can't collect fishing lures obsessively and expect to have treasures in heaven. What a trade-off yet so often we do it. You know, if you classify yourself as a young person, be careful. Accumulation starts small and it starts young. And you know, I'll tell you, if you're, I don't know, under my age, let's say, the pattern you set in what you accumulate and what you focus, by the time you get my age and older, becomes very difficult to change. I'm not saying it can't change, but it becomes just that much harder. Do it while it's easiest, which is right now, today. If you have a few years on you, And you discover at any point that you've been accumulating the wrong thing. You can stop and change. But remember, make the tree good. You're going to have to focus on the positive. Okay, so by now, how many of you are accumulating something? Good, good. Okay, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. But are you proud of what you're accumulating in a southern sense? If God put the list of things that Joe has accumulated up here in the order of importance and in the order that he has spent resources on them, would there be something that I'd slink out the door and go home for a couple weeks? Or would there be something I could enjoy visiting with you this afternoon? What would it be? Let's kneel for prayer.